Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Just Hoop Show. We're back for episode number four. I am joined today by a new guest, a new face, um, not new to me, my good friend, Franklin Iro. How are you doing so, today, Frank? Not too bad, not too bad. About to watch my boys beat the Arizona Cardinals today. So, you know, the Brownies about to show up. Uh, Kyler Murray, I'm sorry, but Miles Garrett has your number today. It's about to be four sacks. I'm calling it now. Uh, Brownies are going to go four and two. Uh, we will be tied with the Baltimore Ravens by the end of the day. You know, the Chargers will have to spank that ass, too. So uh, it's a good day to be a, a sports fan. Hey, it's always a good day to be a sports fan as long as your team is winning. <laughs> um, for real, to be honest. But so with the Browns, what do you think? Like, do you think they're going to be able to stop DeAndre Hopkins? That's literally the only thing I'm worried about. Uh, I think he's going to cook. I think he's going to get like eight receptions, 112 yards and a touchdown. It'll be like a 21-14 type game. It'll be all about defense. But uh dog, that team is scary. Like they just got you have hurt. one of the best edge rushes. <laughs> but the the Cardinals team is scary for real. Like they got a lot of wash players that still hoop. If you know what I mean? Like they have players that 10 years ago were like monsters and like they're still yeah, nice. Like- AJ Green and Hopkins, but Murray is like, uh, he's he reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson. Yeah. Like, it, just the height, they don't have the same height, but he reminds me a lot of uh, a Russ. It's just dangerous on either side of the ball, whether they're throwing not, or they're running. Not even that, but like, he's just got the swagger to him that you can trust him to like get shit done. And this year, he's shown that he's able to reduce the amount of turnovers that people had previously knocked him about. Um, mm-hmm. And just as his ball IQ and awareness is ridiculous. I mean, seeing him evolve over the last you know two years has been great, just going from um, a, a potentially bust of a number one pick to kind of like this perennial you know, MVP candidate. And so, you know, I love following his Instagram and watching his videos, like his sensei shit that he does on his, uh, his platform is amazing. So. I'm a huge Kyler supporter, so we'll see what goes on tonight, but um, hoping my Browns get the win and it's a good game. <laughs> on from one ball onto the other ball, the uh, big baller brand has made a return with their brand after they took a couple of losses. After LeVar Ball lost his own sons in his own company, um, they have released three new pairs of shoes now. I can't throw them on the screen. You can search those up if you'd like. But there's three of them that retail at $695 and one shoe retails at $895. The I told you so's. What do you think about these new shoes uh, that LeVar Ball has dropped? Uh, Much like most of LeVar Ball's uh, business decisions since his kids gotten drafted, I think this is trash. Um, I think that uh, Como de Garcon and Mason Margiela are going to have a conversation with him about uh, IP. And just taking their their IP for these shoes. I mean, they're like they look like Vans and Converse crossed over, and you just let a kid with the crayon box just write all over them. Like they're not they're not hard at all. Like who's wearing these to the club? Like you wear these in front of the hose, and it's gonna be a lot of dry pussy in the like, Oh my nobody, god, man! You may- <laughs> nobody thinks these are hard. <laughs> you walk in there like all fly, like Louis V jean jacket, you know. Amiri jeans, all types, and you got the big baller brands on. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a tough night. Listen, a- anybody <laughs> I catch with these, you getting roasted. I mean, especially the I told you so's, which I mean, it's bad. I don't they're, know, man. 
the they, logo on the side is the toughest part because it's like at least put a fly logo not some like it looks like it's a bml uh black lives matters logo like that's how terrible they, it is man. <laughs> i feel like he should have rebranded right because it's like the three b's but the three b's only exist because you had alonzo lamello leangelo now you don't have any of them at your house or in your company so i mean it's it's hilarious Letting that dude steal from his kids and his business is just ridiculous. And I think that if it's a sign of the good and the bad of Labar. I think he's an absolute genius in regards to how he structured the lifestyle for his kids. But from a business aspect, I'm a fan of the thing that you do what you're good at and you stick in your lane and, and let people who are good at what they do that do what they do. And he's good at, you know, the whole basketball side and development side. So he should have focused on that and brought in someone that he could trust and, and, and really understands the shoe business and then bring in someone who has the understanding of the business world and collaborate. And instead, he's trying to do this uh, jack-of-all-trades approach. And, you know, I, I, I like jack-of-all-trades approach when it comes to learning and education, but when it comes to application, I very much would rather be the king of my craft and focus on my craft and then pay people to do the things I'm not a king at. And so He's just a clear example of, you know, people reaching too far and getting burned by the pot. That's, that's really all it is for me. Yeah, and I feel like he has the revenue to go higher, like an ex-Nike or at least a Converse design. Well, I mean, it yeah. does look like he got a couple of old designers, uh, the guys that didn't make the cut in the uh, in the Nike camp and things of that sort. Because, I mean, I just don't know when they threw this final product. Like, I want to see, like, their faces. Like, they all sit there like, that's the one. Like, no, man. The only one I would wear is the red ones. I'll be honest. The red ones are dope. Like, those are, like, lightweight decent. But there's not a lot of fits I would rock the red ones with. The ones that piss me off the most is this purple and blue. Like, it looks like the the scene from Vegeta or from uh, Dragon Ball Z where, like, Vegeta's about to power up. It's like, dog, what are you doing here? It's like a, a Trunks. If Trunks threw up on a shoe, this is what it looks like. Like, there's no, like, fluidity between this shoe and the next shoe. It's ridiculous, like, what you can just come up with by just, you know, having money and, and thinking of some bullshit. And the funny part, too, is um, the the logo is, like, on different sides. But they remind – these literally look like shoes you can go to, like, Burlington or Marshalls or whatever. And yeah. those little $20 joint beaters you can buy, that's what these look like. But it's not even the shoe as much as the $695 price tag that leaves me, wow. like – well, what are you even doing? But on the topic of LeVar Ball, I do want to talk about at least there was one thing he did right, which was raise his sons into three great basketball players. Dogs. So I just want I just want to talk about <laughs> I just want to talk about the um the rise of the Ball brothers. Uh we all obviously we have Lonzo Ball, who's now in the Chicago Bulls. He just signed a big um contract this offseason, four years, $84 million. Uh, he's obviously, you know, some would say not, but I would say he's a top 10 point guard in the league, just his overall skill set. Um, he averaged 14 points, five assists, four rebounds. He shot 41% from the field and 37% from deep. Uh, alongside his younger brother, LaMelo Ball, is with the Charlotte Hornets. He's probably a top 15, top 20 point guard. He's the um, last rookie of the year that we just had. He averaged 15 points, five rebounds, six assists. 43 from the field and 35 from beyond the arc. And now Leangelo Ball, I mean, he's got, we got no statistics on him, but he finally has a shot in the NBA joining his, um, the younger, his, one of his younger brothers in Charlotte. So what do you think about the Ball brothers? Uh, you know, apart from their dad not having any type of business acumen, just as far as, you know, raising, being right, raising three NBA players. 
Uh, I think it, once again, this is the good side of LeVar, the planning and execution. Um, everything that you've tried to strategize from the, the inception of his kids um, sort of came into fruition and, and his kids kind of ran with it. And, and I'm happy to see, you know, their family succeed and do well. And I wish them the best of luck this season. Um, it's interesting to see uh, LiAngelo get waived due to that two-way contract, but I'm sure he's going to still be in the league, just in a similar um, facility to what, what his previous contract was. Um, the one thing that's interesting for me is, is Lonzo. Um, we were having conversations with my friends just about the fact that, you know, Van Gundy really tried to have Lonzo Ball be a 3 and D shooter, and that is not his style. I mean, you can tell anyone who knows hoops knows that Lonzo is a facilitator with a good shot, um, and his shot has really improved over the last couple of years as he's gotten more confident. He was just always shaky with his shot because I think he came in with a lot of this hype and he's constantly being broken down and it, there's one thing that people don't really want to give Lonzo credit for is the fact that, I mean, he's been in the league for, I want to say four or five years now, and he's never had the same system or coach at any point of his career. Like that's to me ridiculous. I mean, from his UCLA days till now, he's always had a different coach or a different system of playing and he hasn't really had a consistent team. And it sort of reminds me of the conversation Carl Anthony Towns had during the press conference during the preseason where he's like, I've had, you know, this many coaches, I've had teams traded, you know, or teammates traded. I've never had any consistency in my life. He's like, my coach died. My mom died. He's like, I'm constantly in a situation where I'm in like turmoil, just in, in, a, in a personal sense. And I'll get Lonzo kind of not in the same light, but in a similar light where he's never really had the opportunity to benefit from some, some stability or some consistency to really develop his game. Even when he was at the Lakers, he was a Lakers number two pick. So he was constantly being criticized. Um, he had an absolute shit coach in Luke Walton. And, you know, as soon as LeBron came, he shipped out to New Orleans, where New Orleans was a very uh, unstable environment just based on where they were moving and the direction they took, especially with drafting um, Zion Williamson, um, who has yet to really meet expectations in the same way, you know, people expected Lonzo to. But now that Lonzo's in a system where he has two or three other, you know, bona fide stars, and DeMar DeRozan, and, and in my opinion, um, Zach Levine, uh, he'll have the ability to to sort of, you know, lead in a role where he doesn't have to be the expected number one scorer on the team, but he'll have the ball in his hands and sort of try to make things work. I'll be curious to see how that works in regards to long-term success, because I do feel like the best strategy for me would be to have Lonzo on the field longer and come in with that second unit after Jamar and, and Zach Levine, you know, try and get some minutes. So, you know, trying to set it up in the sense that, you know, Levine and DeRozan start the game out with the, you know, the ball in their hands, you know, sort of doing their own thing and, and trying to make things work. And then as they, you know, go to the bench to get some rest, you just put the ball in Lonzo's hands and you have a certified shooter in Colby White to his to his side to to free some space up for him. And, and you know, obviously there's um, Alex Caruso. Um, and then in regards to LaMelo Ball, that's, a, that's that guy right there. Um, there's there's not too many great things I can say about that guy without sounding like a dick rider. Um, Lamelo is different. I mean, his his entire aura is different. His swag is different. Just his play style is different. Um, the guy plays with what I call, like to call that wiggle. He's just like got that little shimmy to him. Like he, he's like a worm. He just slips in and out of the, the cut. Um, and so watching him play is exciting. Uh, I'm excited to see what he do, does this year. And if he takes that second year jump, I'm expecting the biggest growth from him to be in year three, um, just because he's still getting comfortable to the league speed and, and, and just getting familiar, more familiar with his teammates. But I think that with what was showcased from him last year, um, there's a, a high amount of upside and expectations. And I think that with this 
um, almost what I think is going to be a perennial conversation of, you know, should people have taken Lamella or Anthony Edwards first is going to be a very interesting conversation. Um, and so I think he's going to have a lot to prove year in and year out just to himself and, and to the league in certain aspects, because he is one of those guys who dr draws attention and he, he always delivers in regards to, you know, just meeting the limelight and the show light and just, you know, putting on, you know, the best show possible. And I'm, I'm happy for him. You know, they're bringing back Terry Regier, um, Devontae Graham's back. Um, we'll see uh, what's his name, the dunker on the team, you know, sort of make his return back into that, you know, three, four spot and then really shine. Um, I do think they need to address their bench concerns and, and bring in some real hoopers. I think that right now they're still a fringe team, in my opinion, just because they don't have a, a solid team. But it'll be something that they address over the years as they build out. But I'm excited for Lamelo, and, and I think he's going to average 27 and six this year. Just a quick shout out to him. I think he's able to hit those numbers and, and take himself into that top top 12 point guards in the league conversation. Um, I totally agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, just to kind of uh, go on top of that, I think that the Ball brothers have a very special um, ability to not just revolutionize the league as far as like the way we look at brothers. You know, you look at the Holiday brothers, there's such a huge gap in between skill set between the brothers. Yeah. Drew and Justin is a huge gap. Yeah. And then Justin and Aaron, you know, is a little bit of a bigger gap. Now, they're all good basketball players. But just as far as there's, uh, I think Lonzo and Lamelo come a lot closer than people realize. And surprisingly, Leangelo Ball is the last one to make the league, considering he's the one that has the most, I guess you would say, league-ready uh, skill set. You know, pure shooter, uh, spot up, catch and shoot. He could do pretty much everything a shooter can do. And he never got picked up till about right now. Yeah. But just to go on top of that, Lonzo and LaMelo will probably end up being like top 10 point guards and probably maybe at one point top five at their position at the same time, simply just off the skill set. Um, if I for if I remember correctly, Lon uh, LaMelo Ball averaged, I think it was 1.02 points per possession in isolation, which was league leading. So not by rookies. Everybody in the league, LaMelo Ball had more isolation points than. So yeah. you just see the just the dynamic of a taller point guard. He's what, six, six, his wingspan is obviously the, the longest of any, um, of any other point guard pause. And clearly he has, you know, a skill set above his, um, I guess you would say his draft classmates other than, you know, I would say Anthony Edwards, who we could make the debate on who's a better pick. I think Edwards was, was the safer pick at number one, but I don't think we expected LaMelo ball as well. Not the comfort in scoring because the isolation is easy. He's the taller point guard. It, you know, he's doing what Ben Simmons should be doing. Yeah. And then LaMelo Ball is his playmaking. I think that's a special part about Lonzo and LaMelo is they're probably two of the best playmakers. If there's and the closest thing to Rajon Rondo, a Jason Kidd would be like a Lonzo Ball. Somebody who doesn't impact the scoreboard, like the stat sheet as much, but his imprint is on the game from start to finish, whether it's on the defensive end, whether he's facilitating, whether, you know, now he's a shooter. I love how you mentioned the inconsistency in systems because that's Lonzo Ball's biggest, you know, downfall was being in New Orleans, having two guys on his side, like one, like a Brandon Ingram, you know, mini KD and having a Zion Williamson and not getting the opportunity to run that offense. I mean, it's just, a, it's so distasteful from Van Gundy to have ever thought that you could turn a facilitator into a three and D. Now, he has a potential, but it's like 
his three and D ability is here, and his facilitator ability is like you can't even see it on the screen. Yeah. So it's through the roof, and that's the special part is Lonzo ability. You mentioned it now with Lavina DeRozan not having to have the ball in his hands at all times. He can facilitate the offense, and he can go play you know a hundred percent on the defensive end without having to worry about going on the other side and. His coach telling him, hey, you need to score. No, he can uh, defer that to a Nikola Vucevic or Patrick Williams. A Col- uh, you mentioned Kobe White. He can pass to a Levine or DeRozan. So, obviously, now Lonzo in Chicago, you could see the team so far. They're molding up to be a fantastic um, Eastern Conference contender. So, I'm excited to see just what they're going to do this season. But LaMelo and Le- I think Leangelo isn't on a – he's on a two-way? I thought, so, he, I thought he got, he got Oh, he got waived. That's oh wow, because he got signed and I sent it to you the other day. He got waived again. Man, NBA yeah. moves fast. So they, um, they waived him because they want to retain his G League rights. He'll still, I think, I think he'll still be on a G League team this year. So we'll see. Okay. I do agree with you. He has the most complete game. I just think that incident he had overseas during college rubbed people the wrong way. Whereas uh, Lonzo and and Melo kind of did as little as possible to steal limelight in a negative way. Um, and so when you're trying to assess risk, similar to what you said, Anthony Edwards was a safer option compared to, to Mello. But at the end of the day, there was no real negative knock against Mello. So when he was drafted, it made sense. And it was the same thing with Lonzo. But when you have this, you know, almost cautious sense of, you know, security around Leangelo, you know, you're, you're thinking, you know, how mature is this guy? You know, how ready is he to come in here and work and put the effort in? You don't have those questions with the other two brothers. And I think that's what really knocked his draft stock and knocked him out of the conversation. Because if you watch his games, like they're they're all similar in regards to skill set and game level. It's just who got the opportunity and took it is kind of where I look at things. Because um, there was no real reason to to draft LaMelo second based on his um, overseas um, tape. But it was just the fact that he had such a high amount of upside because you're not really like no one was sure about him. Like, let's be honest, like. No one knew coming into last year that he was going to be that good. You just assumed he was going to be good. You just didn't know what the cap was. Um, and I don't think that LiAngelo had that um, opportunity or had that fortunate stake because he had this negative knock against him where there was a proven downside and it was his possible immaturity. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested to see how things go. And, 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 and I think that the biggest thing for me with Lonzo is that there's going to be sort of this weight taken off his shoulder. He'll have, you know, kind of like a, a free landscape to, work things out in Chicago because, you know, everyone knows that this is going to be a figure it out year for that team. What's their identity? What's their skill set? But the thing I do like seeing so far is that he's one of the best defenders um, in, the, in the league, in my opinion. And I think that with having DeMar Rose and another great elite defender next to you, it's going to be tough assignments for, for teams to, to, to score on this team. Like you're, you're going to get switched on a lot. You're going to have people really run at you hard and play with a lot of energy and intensity. And I think that Lonzo is going to really benefit from the leadership of DeMar DeRozan because he's never really played with a savvy vet quite at DeMar's level and, and prestige. And so um, going, well, I mean, he had Le- LeBron, but we all know. I was just about to say, I, I think LeBron's a pretty savvy vet. Yeah. Um, I mean, but that was a different situation because he was always going to get traded. So there was no real intuition or, or there no real reason to, to build a bond there. Um, but but it, it'll be interesting just seeing how things play out. Um, Curiously enough, uh, discussing these uh, potential finals implications, I think it would be best to to talk about a team that 
I currently have a lot of questions for, and, and, and it's, you may currently have one of my favorite players in the league, but I wanted your opinions on the long-term projections for the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Okay. Damian Lillard is easy. Top three point guard in the league. Um, yeah. Whatever order you want to do, uh, my personal opinion, Stephen Curry, Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard. You know, Steph first, Kyrie, and then Lillard. That's just my personal opinion. So I hold Damian Lillard to a high, a very high standard. I don't think holding Damian Lillard um, responsible for what's going on in Portland would be a fair judgment. Long term, I don't see... See, Damian Lillard has shown his character, right? And that's the thing. That's where it becomes tough sometimes is a lot of players... Uh, play that, that character, that demeanor of loyalty and, you know, I keep it real and, you know, all, all that jazz. Damian Lillard is that. So I believe Damian Lillard when he says he doesn't want to get traded, but I also understand, well, I can't, I don't understand, but I could only imagine what it's like to be as good as you are in Damian Lillard and your team year in and year out just continues to underperform. And it's not like the Portland Trailblazers don't see um well, they, they make the playoffs and they do well enough to make, you know, between the one through the eighth seed. But the issue is his uh, sidekick is CJ McCollum. And while they are very entertaining, I've made the argument they're entertaining, but they do not result in wins. They don't result in uh, playoff championships. They don't result in, you know, just just like true success. And that's not a knock on McCollum or Lillard. I just think that two small guards don't work. I think John Wall and Bradley Beal showed you that. They're great and they're entertaining and you love to watch them. Uh, you couldn't even use like a Stephen Clay because Clay is 6'7". Six, uh, six, he's much taller than McCollum and he's one of the best defenders in the league. So yeah. it's like two small guards can't really – like you couldn't put another small guard next to Allen Iverson. It would never work. You couldn't throw a – you can't put Damian Lillard next to Curry. As good as that would be, championship level – you know, you, it would be a very, very long debate. So I think Damian Lillard should force his way out of Portland. Um, I would wait till around the middle of the season. And I think uh, Portland will eventually, you know, there's so much skill coming into the NBA. Nowadays, players have so much uh, deeper packages as far as point guards, do things they're not, they're not supposed to do, you know, forwards, big men. So I think Portland and the NBA is in good hands in the future. But I think Portland is going to basically trade Damian um, and get themselves a bunch of picks and, you know, future players to build around and then trade CJ McCollum as well. And just, you know, start, start completely new. But if they don't, just to finish off, if they don't uh, trade Damian Lillard, then you have to trade CJ McCollum. And please, for the love of God, if you're going to give him Ben Simmons, you might as well just trade Damian Lillard, you know, to, to freaking the Shanghai Sharks or something, because the guy that's not gonna that's not gonna work. It's just you know the, the pure honesty. You can't just throw a not. There's a lot that you could. <clears throat> Here's the issue with Portland too. They have nothing to trade now. Like I'm looking at the roster, and this is gonna sound very disrespectful because I understand every single one of these guys can beat me in a one on one. But if I'm an NBA general manager, unless you're giving me Joseph Nurkic, Robert Covington. Or CJ McCollum, there's nobody on this roster that one has like great NBA resumes and good NBA credentials uh, other than Tony Snell. Tony Snell's uh, biggest claim to fame is he had a game he played a minute and or, or like 20 minutes and didn't score a single statistic. 28 minutes, zero stats. 
for real, like this is what Damian has to work with. <clears throat> they added this offseason Cody Zeller, Ben McLemore, Larry Nance Jr., Marquise Chris, Greg Brown the third. I would have asked for a trade, even if I was in the NBA making millions of dollars. I mean, the GM isn't helping him and the the, the city isn't helping him. So long term, I think that they're gonna be in a we're gonna be seeing them. Similar, you know what they're going to fall into? The LeBron after Lillard era, but I don't think it's going to be as bad. Okay, so I'm going to start this rant by saying one thing first. I love Damian Lillard. He has forever been one of my favorite point guards um, ever since he came out of Weber State. Um, that being said, run from the grind, Dame. It's time. You got to run from the grind. Like, get your family out of Portland, pack those bags, call the budget truck. I mean, get your shit shit out of there, my boy. Uh, <laughs> it's it's time to go. Um, they are victims to, and, and I hate to say this, but they're victims to shapeless basketball, in my opinion. Um, I do hold Dame partly responsible for that because they should have identified that as a as a possibility of why they're not able to succeed at, at this level. Um, one of the things that I look at, there's two things that really I fault you know Dame and the Portland Trailblazers for, and it's one that shapeless basketball. They don't really have an identity. Um, when you look at that team, you look at Dame, and then it's a bunch of other players. Um, you have CJ, who's a great two guard um, to play next to him, but they're not really known for any style of basketball. When you looked at the Warriors, they were known for a pass heavy, hard defensive team. You know, the Spurs have their own identity. Even KD and the Brooklyn Nets right now have their own identity. They're a high octane offense with a slightly below average defense but that's their identity when you look at the portland trailblazers what is what really jumps off the page of you as a unique feature of this team they're not a really great defensive team and they're not really a high octane offensive team so you know what is what is their brand what is their their signifying look um i mean even the the knicks were known as a gritty you know hard-nosed defensive team this past year they were one of the top five defenses in the league that was a team that got put together off of one one year um, signings like the fact that the Knicks could figure that out, you know, contrary to their reputation, is, is just a sign of what the inaccuracies are for the Trailblazers. And then my second problem, and you and I have talked about this before, and you were kind of hitting on it in your in your point recently, but this this Trailblazers team has always been a a, a, a misfit team. Um, it's a lot of guys that just come in from other teams and try and figure out what their niche is in the, on the team. You know, you saw that with Rodney Hood trying to get some 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 hoops in. The last few years, you're seeing that now with, you know, Larry Nance showing up. Patrick Patterson's still a solid forward, but doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, ben McElmore played well last year on the Lakers, but that doesn't really move the needle. Um, Afni Simmons, you know, a great guard, but it doesn't really change the dynamic of the game, especially coming off the bench. Um, I think Nurkic is a really good center that, you know, people undershadow as, as, a, as, a, as a needle mover. He, he's actually someone I think could, be transplanted on transplanted on any team in the league and really really move the stat sheet. Um, but Robert Covington, you know, he hasn't really looked himself since he's been there. He's still a very good uh, three and D wing. Um, but you know, picking up guys like Dennis Smith Jr., Greg Brown, um, Nasir Little, Tony Snell, it, it doesn't do a lot for me when you look at this this uh, roster. Uh, I, I look at a, a, a ninth seed, you know, play playing um, playoff team. You know, they're going to have to play their way into the playoffs. Um, and, and hope for the best. But the biggest thing for me, and, and I think that it was this year that I finally kind of just like gave up on, you know, my aspirations for Dame as a potential, you know, championship winning point guard. I think he's future Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Um, this year in the playoffs, how they went out was just sad. Um, 
no way you can lose to a team like that in the manner you did just to watch them get swept in the next round. Um, and he, he even pointed out to it. He's like, there's no reason why, you know, we, we shouldn't have been more competitive in that series, but there wasn't a, not a single point in that series where I thought they were going to win. I mean, Dame had to go fucking super saiyan to try and force OT and he's, he's still lost. Um, and if you're going to have to put in those kind of efforts, you're never going to win a series. It's similar to Jimmy Butler in the 2020 championships where he was posted up against the, uh, the scoreboard, you know, gassed out and that meme went viral forever. Those kind of games don't win you championships. They win you games. That's it. Those are, those are not championship winning um, games. Uh, you need someone that's, that's going to, you know, come in and influence the stat sheet, but also, you know, be a part of a team that, that really wants to win and, and can, can drive an identity and, and play that style of basketball that, that wins, wins rings. And, and honestly, like there is no singular way of doing that. There's not one style that can dictate how you win a championship. And we've seen that be proven over the last 20 years um, with just different eras of hoops, you know, Warriors, Spurs, Heatles, um, Detroit, uh, Boston, like they're all different play styles. You just have to identify yours and really hone in on it and, and find the right people that fit into that play style. But I think with the, the recent increase in salary cap, there's a lot of players that are chasing money, which is completely understandable. I would do the same thing. But you're getting a lot of people that are just sign, signing free agent contracts and trying to figure out their play style. It doesn't really make sense for me. Um, if you don't really fit the brand of identity that, that that basketball program has, it's hard for me to envision you winning. And I look at that with you know your team, the Miami Heat. I think picking up Kyle Lowry is one of the best signings of the summer. He fits that identity um, extremely well, in my opinion. He's a guy who grinds, plays hard, and has an aspiration to win. Um, he'll also be one of the few people on that team who actually has won a ring. And he brings a lot of value to the team. I think that's how smart GMs stay at the top of the league and stay competitive um, is by bringing people in who, who can fit that identity. I think Oladipo coming into your team is a similar cut of that clock. Um, I think that, you know, how Boston's remained relevant over the last 20 years consistently making the playoffs is because they, they bring in high octane guys that play smart IQ basketball and they look for that in their draft classes and they look for that in their free agent science. Um, I think that, you know, them picking up Dennis Schroeder is a huge sign of that. I, I loved watching him swap the fuck out of Kyle Lowry the other day in the preseason game. That's just smart basketball. He went up, swung over, saw the cut through, went up for it, contested it, blocked it, and then they were mo moving in transition. And so for me, when I watch the Trailblazers, I don't really see that. I don't see that energy. I don't see that identity. I don't see that anticipation and, and movement. Um, and I think that, you know, part of that falls on the shoulders of the coach, but more importantly, it falls on the shoulders of the organization. Um, it, it's just been longstanding that the Trailblazers are just a team that, you know, hoops. It's like if you went to the local YMCA and you saw two, you know, former D1 guys and then they picked up a bunch of like random dudes off the street. That's that's the tra Trailblazers in the league right now, in my opinion. You're gonna watch some good hoops, but you're not gonna really see them win a lot of games. And and that's sad because I think that they have the right fan base for that, and they have the right guy to lead that franchise. They really just need to be, build around him in a, in a way that facilitates the talent's best. And they haven't done that so far. I don't think it's very surprising that the franchise hasn't done much for Damian Lillard. Um, they are the ones that drafted Gray Golden over Kevin Durant. Uh, they did mismanage Brandon Roy's career and his injury. Uh, people forget that was in Portland, and then he had those surgeries. I mean, Brandon Roy without an injury, it's just, who's, da like, who's Damian Lillard? Like, so dude, Brandon Roy, I mean, oof. 
you know, when they had LaMarcus Aldridge, like, what were they doing? They would make the playoffs, but they never made any noise. I feel like they always had special talent. They, they have this eye to get a special talented player, but they don't know how to build a team. Yeah. They, they know how to draft, but they don't know how to build. So, I yep. think the, you touched on it perfectly, a shapeless. I look at this offense, and, you know, it's like, okay, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are your only two true, like, high-volume scorers. So what's that mean? The rest of the team is defensive players. That's not even, like, true. Like, Larry Nance Jr., I mean, he's a good defender, but he's not known as this defensive force. He's more like a, you know, he scores a couple points, gets a couple stops, things like that. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr., so Damian Lillard comes off the bench. You don't even have like a scoring replacement for him. I mean, it's just a fact that this franchise, uh, it's almost disrespectful for Damian Lillard, you know, to the game of basketball to not have asked for a trade because they only get this like limit, like 15 years is nothing. Like it's, it's going to be gone. Like it's already been, uh, I don't know how many years in uh, Curry's career. And I didn't even realize till the other day, I was like, yo, like Stephen Curry's been in the league for forever now. And it feels like just the other day, I was watching him in that orange jersey, the ugly Warriors shit that they used to have, uh, yeah. hooping up. So it's like they have this small window to play basketball and win championships. And you have such a talent like Damian Lillard, which you're not going to see a lot of guys that can shoot from 30. Like the confidence Lillard shoots with and where he shoots from every single game is a special talent in within itself, apart from the fact he makes the shots. The fact, yeah. the confidence to take those. And he's one of the best point guards in between. You know, once he comes off the pick and roll, that in-between game, in between the mid-range and getting to the bucket or getting it to your man, he's one of the best in the league. So you have a guy who's multi-talented and, and multiple, you know, facets of, of offense. So you cannot, you could build a bunch of type, uh, I'm sorry, a bunch of different systems around Damian Lillard. They just don't do anything. They misfits. This is a team, this is like the... This is the American rejects, literally. The NBA rejects is on the Portland Trailblazers. These are guys who, you know, pretty much either got traded away because they weren't necessary anymore or weren't needed in their teams. But what could what could they do? Like, what do you think? If Damian Lillard doesn't ask for a trade, is there anything that Portland can do to even make some noise, to, like, bring in some help? Because I don't even know who you could trade off this roster. Nothing they can do. I'm very much, I've been on this wavelength for eight months now to need to blow that team up and reset. Um, there's a ton of draft class capital at the Oklahoma Thunder that they could trade for. Um, I would love to see Shai Gilsley Alexander next to Dane. Um, and I think that there's a lot of other good pieces at that team right now that could, you know, potentially put Dame in that older vet role and kind of give him free will. And there wouldn't be a, a lot of high expectations on that team. If they make the playoffs, great. If they don't, great. Like, it's it's something that they could roll out for two to three years and make he help he could help bridge that gap but I just don't see him running the ring so you might as well go have fun and hoop like I think that him and Shy would be like a show like that would be a huge show to me um, and I think they have the right people in place for some exciting basketball there because it's like if you're just you're just gonna focus on playing exciting basketball you might as well do it with some younger guys with some energy and, and have fun. Um, Chris Paul had a ton of fun in OKC from our, our perspective, and I, I might be wrong from his perspective, and he's having a ton of fun right now with the Suns with that younger um, roster, and I think that I think Dane could be, you know, really exciting to watch in that role at OKC if they trade some draft capital and get some right guys, a couple of veterans in there um, and really shake things up. But more importantly, I just think that the West is getting stronger. There's a lot of more competition. You know, the Lakers will be healthy this year, hopefully. 
Um, I think the Warriors are going to be back in that conversation again. Um, you know, you're looking at the Spurs potentially being back in that conversation. Uh, the West is just, you know, the Utah, you know, I, I saw, I found out that uh, Hassan Whiteside is now the, the backup center for the Utah Jazz. That's scary for me. You got to go from one elite rim protector in Rudy Gobert to Hassan Whiteside. Like who's scoring at the rim in that team? You're gonna have to shoot them out the gym. Um, and, and, and then you have, you know, the Suns will be back. Uh, you'll see teams like uh, the Timberwolves sort of make some sort of splash I'm expecting this year now that they're all healthy and there's some fluidity in that, in that, in that, uh, in that organization. But, you know, the Mavs are still in the, in the competition. The Clippers will be all right. I think we're going to see a scary year from PG and, and we'll see an emergence more from Terrence Mann on that side of the ball in regards to the offensive skill set. But it'll just be tough. Um, curiously enough, though, I think that we're going to see the next future Dane in, in this conversation with Luka, um, Luka Donich. Um, and, and you and I talked off camera about that, but I think he's in a similar position where um, and he's slightly different because I think he's too ball heavy um, for that team. But if you just pull up his roster, I mean, it's the same shit. Who, who, who is he really playing with? Like Boban is your number one center besides Willie Colley-Stein. That's garbage. Like, I'm sorry. That's garbage. There's no way you win real basketball games with that. Um, you, you had to pick up Frank Nicolatina from the from the Knicks, Reggie Bullock. Um, I, I think that, you know, if Christopher Singas stays healthy, he's one of the best number twos in the league. I think he's a walking bucket, and he showed that in the first couple of games against the Clippers. Um, but outside of that, that roster is very uh, nonchalant. It's not a very serious roster to me. I mean, love Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr., but that's not going to get the job done. And, and Dwight Powell and Josh Green, they're, they're role players, but they're not someone that moves the needle um, at, at a large scale. And so I'm, I'm curious to see um, how that works out because I constantly see Luka Donich in the conversation as one of the best, but it's like, I think his career is going to falter out if they continue working in the way he does, because, you know, what is the long-term play here? What is, what, what's going to be the, the move that, that pushes the Mavs from, you know, the, the perennial Clippers whipping bullet to, you know, conference finals appearance or a, a, a championship finals appearance. And, and right now I don't see that organization doing that because I think that um, they've had a history of not building around their star in the past when you look at Dwight Howard. So it, it'll be curious to me to, to see how they, they handle that, but I, I don't have a lot of high expectations for, for right now. I think the Mavericks, they're a similar situation, but I think I wouldn't even say even worse. At least they made an effort, but Chris Porzingis hasn't worked out. I think you're right. Luka Doncic does have a play style where he does require the ball a lot, but I think at the same time, he would – I think Luka Doncic's stats could be even better. Like, look at what he does with what he has. Imagine what he could do if they were better. Like, yeah. a simple I'm, – I'm just trying to think, like – he averaged 27, 8, and 8, right? So he could probably up those assists if you had another really good scorer next to you. Like, you have Tim Hardaway Jr., but like you said, you know, it doesn't – nobody jumps out of, of either the Mavericks or the Portland Trailblazer, uh, Trailblazers roster and tells me, yo, this is a big difference and they're going to make a big change, which is why these players force their trades out. With Luke, I think it's a little different. He's a little younger. Um, his play style is a lot – a lot different than a lot of players in the league because he plays so slow and he's so unathletic that I don't think injuries long-term will be a problem for him. I think if anybody's going to have good knees, it's going to be Luka Doncic and Dirk Nowitzki because those guys move like 
they move very super slow, slow. But they have super slow but they have a super deadly game it's just fin- it's pure finesse which is that european style of basketball so i Luka think the reason why long- <laughs> i think the reason why luca you say that is because luca has this uh, and it's something I've, I've picked up in my own game. I started trying to mirror, but his ability to switch speeds is what makes Luca so elusive. Um, when you can go from really fast to really slow to medium fast to really fast to somewhat slow to medium slow to slow and like all in a 30 second span, it makes it hard to guard because you don't know how to, you know, that, that quick, you know, change that can throw you off. And then all of a sudden you're like going too fast and he slows down. And now you've flown past him. And so, it makes him very slippery. Yeah, you see that that change of speed is a good point. Cause like most players attack the basket and they're like they'll take an explosive step. You know, even me, I take an explosive step and then I take off towards a basket full speed. But most players nowadays, especially Luka Doncic, he'll like slow down and then he'll maneuver his way instead of like if he's going baseline, he'll maneuver towards the middle of the paint, looking for an open little fadeaway or a floater, things like that. Luca's very smart at avoiding contact. I think that's why he's going to have a nice long career. I think Luca would, I would argue, is going to have the better career than uh, Damian Lillard, just in a in a sense that I think Luca has a skill set that contributes to a championship. You know, uh, by himself. If there was a guy that could do it by himself, I feel Luca holds that skill set. And we're talking about just players in the NBA right now, not all time. So. I guess my question would be, if you are Luka Doncic, are you asking for a trade? Because now you have a new coach. Now, like, it's not Rick Carlisle anymore. We're going to do Jason Kidd, who is at best a mediocre coach. I mean, you know, what's the highlight of Kidd's career? Hey, hit me. And then they hit him with the with the little water. Do you remember that? Yeah. That timeout, is, um, that timeout incident. So that's. I don't know. It, it, it's very, it's very difficult because Luka Doncic does have the skill set to win a championship like Damian Lillard, but they don't have the team around them. And it's very frustrating to watch somebody so skilled, not have another, you know, a solid number two. Uh, if they trade away Chris Porzingis and Tim Hardaway Jr. Cause you're going to have to, and maybe get him another solid player. I think we could see the Mavericks make, make a little bit more noise. I mean, they did what they could. They, um, they did what they could in the playoffs with what they had. You know, had Luca maybe had a little bit more help, they probably would have, um, you know, gotten past the first round. Who's going there, though? Let's, let's have a real conversation. Who would want to go to the Mavs? I think Mark. I think Mark Cuban is the best owner in the league, hands down. As far as uh, being a player, a player's owner, I I think Mark Cuban expresses very much that he loves his players and he loves his team. Now, I I don't know why though, because. People are willing to go to people are willing to go to the Houston Rockets and just kind of like I feel if people were willing to give up their entire basketball career and their pride to go play with James Harden, somebody's gonna give up their pride to go play with Luka Doncic. I mean, yeah. you said that like a lot of guys gave up years. Eric Gordon gave up years of his career of great shooting and you know still being able to attack the basket and PJ Tucker as well being able to shoot and stuff to watch James Harden dribble in a corner. Chris Paul yeah. gave up like two years of his career. So it's like I think you could see it, but the I think the better question is is Matt is uh, Mark Cuban ready to break the bank? Because I, I think that's what's going to be you know that's what's necessary. Is you're going to have to really like dig Spend in, money. And lose lose on the Mavs like a year or two, and really get yourself some true talent because 
you bro, you have a once in a lifetime player. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are high on Zion. I'm super, I'm much, much higher on Luca and the length of his career, you know, uh, injury free, things like that, than I am on Zion, skill and everything. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I think that Cuban is a, is a dedicated owner. He's very animated. He's very, emotional about his team but I don't I don't know how how willing he is to really go above and beyond you know similar to what the Warriors have done and the Lakers have done or the Knicks have done or whoever have done to to really pay players um, and bring in t- I don't know why I said the Knicks their Knicks are switched from that conversation but it's just tough um it'll be curious to see but um I think that if anyone's gonna hopefully figure it out it'll be Cuban I do think the one thing we need to keep an eye on is those end of the season reports about Luca's um, ego and attitude that's gonna be tough um if, if Luca is you know is is that rumored to be you know kind of asshole player superstar diva but he keeps it hidden very well behind the scenes um I, I think that is going to rub people the wrong way long term but at the same time, like what what superstar doesn't have a little ego? So um, I'm rocking with Luca regardless. I actually have a fantastic counter to that. Tell me somebody on the Mavericks that can look at Luca and even fuck with him. I mean, I bet Luca walks around like you guys didn't have me. Where the fuck would you guys be? Luca probably looks around and just thinks to himself, "You'd be overseas. You'd be somewhere else. You'd be one of LeBron's uh, pickups." Like. Luka Doncic should have that attitude. I think he is that much better than every, like the skill gap between McCollum and Lillard and Luka Doncic and Chris Alps Porzingis is super, super, super like, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just a big gap. uh, It reminds me of that, that, uh, that segment that came out during, uh, what was it? It was with Kobe. And he was like, yeah, Kobe only showed up to practice so he could tell everybody he he, uh, he won't miss them when they get traded. He's like, I want to see you guys one last time before you get traded. Because it's like, you know, these guys are bums. Like, why are you playing with me? We're not in the same whisper of talent. Like, you're awful. Like, get the fuck out of here. Um, and so for me, it, it'll be it'll be one of those things where you have to you have to find those dogs out there that can really hoop and you know get to the bucket with him. And and right now, you're you're not doing that. They also just don't draft well. That's the one thing that people don't pay attention to is the Mavs are not known for the drafting, which is a crime. Yeah, I know. And it sucks because they always make, um, especially since they always build us. If you think about it, they always build like a consistent little team. They're never the worst and they'll never just like miss the playoffs. They'll like slightly miss the playoffs. So they're always going to get like a middle of the pack. So you have to have some real talent in that scouting program to be able to catch somebody in the middle of the draft. Cause middle of the draft guys nowadays aren't turning out to be superstars. You know, Pat, like before the 15th pick is a really good diamond in the rough. After the 15th pick, your chances drop significantly to pick some, you know, a player up that's going to make a real impact. But do you think that, do you think even if you got Kristaps Porzingis and I'm trying to think, I don't even, I said, I don't even know who you could get on the Mavericks right now. Cause I don't know what you're going to give for Porzingis. Cause if they called Miami, for example, I might consider giving you like the two-way players and a couple like little espresso big face coffee machines. Other than that, I don't want Kristaps Porzingis. To be honest, his his play has been very inconsistent. His attitude doesn't seem like he's like his uh, body language and attitude doesn't seem like he's always really like interested on the floor. So clearly he wants to move. There's just nowhere to move Kristaps Porzingis. The only thing you can do is move Porzingis and Tim Hardaway Jr. 
which then you're taking away the only two tools that uh, Luca ever had in the past two years. It's a very the Portland Trailblazers and the Luca Doncic situation is like very very like intriguing because it shows you poverty franchises, like it shows you the difference in ownership and the difference in leadership and organization um, structure. You know, in general, just like not just in NBA, but just in life in general, you don't got structure, you don't got shit. You could have the best. Think about it, they have two top five talents, um, players that they probably won't pick up like ever again, and they have no urgency whatsoever to go out of their way and make some real, real moves to give them superstars. So it's like you're not even uh, grateful for the for the talent you have next to you so you know if anything Damon Lillard they should just treat him to the Timberwolves and call it a day get those picks get some top picks reset the books Dude, to go uh, to OKC that's fun. tough I'd be a fun little trip it'd be fun it'd be fun but think about it they they have this an even worse crazy. team man nah, be fun. Dude, look at listen that, look all at that respect roster. All respect to all NBA players, but as soon as Shy Gilgis and Damian Lillard are not on the floor, I'm turning my TV off, bro. Like, Luka there's Luka nobody Luka to watch. Luka Dorker hold it down. They got some nice, nice dudes. That white boy they drafted this season is nice. And that seventh. Oh, Josh Giddy. I like Josh Giddy. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's good. And but then, it's like, and, uh, what's Luke Port? What's his name? Like the white tall dude. The ooh jelly. <laughs> just laid. Oh, Alex Pachapoto. Some long ass name. Hold on. Yeah. Do I have it? I don't have the Thunder's roster here, but it's like Alex Pashkafa. Nice. He's some like, yeah, they, they have pieces, but it's like, bro, Damian Lillard, I think that he only has a handful of teams to get traded to. Luka Doncic, I don't think you could pick up a package. Like his no. age, his skill set, there's no trade package you could do Breaking to get Luka. So he's stuck in Dallas. I think yeah. Damian isn't. So I have to disagree with you on KP. I just want to put that um, in real quick. I think he, at one healthy, is a great asset. Um, just his injury concerns that to take him away. And obviously there is his attitude problems. I say they see out his contract. Um, I don't think you're gonna have a high trade value for him on the market. So you might as well have him as an asset on your team. The thing for me is I would love to see a Robert Covington on the Mavericks. Cause I do think they're one of those teams that's similar to Dame doesn't have an identity. And Robert can bring you that three and D I'm a very big fan of the, you need a solid wing player to win championships. I don't know. I don't know if you can name a team that didn't have a solid wing player. Um, that's won a chip in the last 30 years. And so for me, it's Luca and then KP and then the rest of the team is not existent. So I think if you bring a bona fide third and fourth option, that's kind of like a solid role player. That'll really take things to the next level. Someone that you can rely on to get, you know, 10 points, eight rebounds and like three assists a game um, moves the needle for me because you don't really need someone that scores. You just need someone that can score, you know, when Luca isn't, you know, able to get it going. And that was the one problem for me is that, Luke was a great first half player in the playoffs, but he fades when the fourth quarter comes around. So you need someone that can come in and step up and, and really facilitate when Luke is, you know, tired because he's, you know, pretty much playing high school ball at some points. Or if he's, you know, in the, at the point where he's getting, you know, different looks from the coaches, you know, whether they're switching up who slides and who switches and on rotations or, you know, if they're sending a double as soon as he picks up his dribble around the three-point line. Um, you need someone that he can, you know, sort of outlet to that's not KP. Because KP, his play style isn't really iso ball, but you need someone who can find their own shot or hit a three when open off the double team. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out over the next season because I do think there will be some blockbuster trades. Um, someone that I think we should keep an eye out for, for potentially being traded is Chris Paul. 
That's interesting. Why? Why do you think Chris Paul is going to get traded? I actually, I'm interested in that. I don't think that the Suns will be in the same conversation they were in last year. I think they'll slip to a six seed. Um, and I think that there will be some concerns over long-term vision on the team. Um, we've already heard that the Suns aren't willing to offer DeAndre Aiden um, a max contract, which is a mistake in my opinion. Um, and with the contract Chris Paul just signed this year, his contract is very tradable. It's not crazy. I, I think a lot of people were blown away by how much money he signed for. But some of his caliber and skill set, um, there will be a lot of teams come middle of the season that are looking for a bona fide bet. And I think Chris Paul brings that edge to a team. You know, we'd already heard, you know, two years ago that the Bucks were looking at signing Chris Paul. Obviously, they have Drew Hill now. I think a lot of teams are going to get exposed for their point guards this year, and they'll begin looking at, you know, Chris Paul's contract. And depending on what situation um, the Suns are in in the middle of the season, um, depending on how DeAndre Aiden plays, which I expect him to do well this year in his role and next to Devin Booker when healthy, I think that Chris Paul's contract is very tradable and he's someone that team should keep an eye out for, for a potential mid-level um, trade package. Okay, imagine yeah. Imagine Chris Paul on the Sixer. You sent Ben Simmons to, to the Suns. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, no, Chris Paul on any roster, he improves any roster. And I actually was hoping that for whatever reason, instead of Kyle Lowry, we would get um, Chris Paul. And I know you did mention that having Kyle Lowry on the bench gives us a champion. Just so you don't forget, we have a three-time champion named Udonis Haslam on the bench. We don't need we don't need this championship pedigree that you're talking about. Okay. We got a three-time champion, OG on the streets and in you know, in the um in the league. So you know, he's still he's gonna come right back. That's crazy. Udonis Haslam and Actually, the funny part is, you know, I, I don't have any proof because, you know, I don't be at these parks and stuff. Like, he has security and stuff. But rumors are UD can still hoop. He's just – he's old, so they don't want to play him. But the rumors are that UD can still get the buckets and fuck shit up in Miami Heat practice because I know some of the uh, the credentialed people that, that go to the practices and stuff, and you can't really film everything, but they get to watch everything. Yeah. And Udonis Haslam is Bam Adebayo's, you know – He's one of the guys that's helped Bam Adebayo develop the most, oh, which is, yeah. which is cr- crazy to think about. You, UD being a a big contributor to Bam's growth, just because you know Udon Hasm was never that like, never had that Bam skill set, but yeah. there he is. Moving on, you did uh, mention a good point about the Milwaukee Bucks. So, do you think the Milwaukee Bucks will repeat this season? Uh, they will be in the conference finals this year. They will make the conference finals? Yeah. I don't know if they'll make it back to the finals, depending on who is healthy, because I think that the only reason why they got to the finals is Kyrie went down injured. Otherwise, I think that Buck series against the Nets would have been very, very different. Um, I do think Giannis developing a three-point shot in a pull-up range is absolutely terrifying um, for anyone guarding him this season. I think that someone said it best on Twitter – Giannis won a, a ring and added new skills to his skill set. He's no longer chasing championships because he's got it now. He's chasing ghosts. And when people start chasing ghosts is when they get in their, like, spooky bag. They start doing things that you ain't ever seen him do before. You might see him start, you know, tween, tween, like, crossing dudes up at the three-point line. You know, his bag might get a little bigger. Like, he might just go crazy on people because he's like, you know, I got that ring. I broke that, that, uh, 
that camel's back. He, you know, he has that pressure off of him. You know, no one can now say he's not a winner. He's now a defensive player of the year, two-time MVP, finals MVP, NBA champion, and arguably a top 50 player ever. So now he can just have fun with it. You know, there's, there's no longer that he has to win to prove himself mentality. He kind of proved himself this year. So now he's going to go out there. And it's when, when Hoopers start having fun is when Hoopers get really scary. Like when LeBron won his first ring, he just started having fun. And that's when his bag got crazy. Like he started going crazy at the Heat and at the Cavs. When Kevin Durant won his first rings, I could see a change in his game. It was just like, it was always smooth. But then he started going out there and he's like, this is a walkthrough for me. He's like, I'm here to just you know put on a show and enjoy myself. And if Giannis approaches that level, I think it's a scary, scary situation for the league. And it'll allow Chris Middleton and Drew, Drew Holiday and, and all these other players to really, um, you know, free themselves up with that responsibility and just have fun with it. But I, I think they can go back to the conference finals, absolutely. Uh, I agree slash disagree only because I disagree with the, uh, the point about the Brooklyn Nets. Last year in the playoffs, I do think Kyrie going down plays a big impact, but I do think that being up 2-0 and only having to win two games and losing four after is more, I think, also, notice we haven't seen the Nets. We've only seen them play 13 games together, that trio, and their record isn't, you know, the craziest of craziest. So then the three of them being together was never really guaranteed a win because they've never really played together, like, on the floor. Um I actually didn't know about this, but in that, what was it? It was 72 last year, right? 72 games, 72 games. They only played 13 of them together, including the playoffs, that the three of them were on the floor. And they didn't even play full games because those games include um, the games that, you know, one of them got injured or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I think defensively, the the, the Brooklyn Nets wouldn't have been able to handle the Bucs because the Bucs, I think that's what won them the championship, uh, essentially is losing those two games then Mike Budenholzer doing the one thing he's never done, which is make adjustments and make crucial adjustments in the middle of a game. He started doing that, but defensively, you know, to the Nets and to the uh, Phoenix Suns, you know, let's not forget they came back from two down two two zero series. But I think though they have a good chance of repeating. This is not hometown bias. This is just legitimately what I think. I think the Miami Heat have taken a piece of the Bucks and built a very very defensive uh, front team. They don't have a lot of Eagles, a lot of superstars. So I think they're going to be one of – they're probably going to make the conference finals against the Nets or the Bucks. Either one, I don't care. But the, the Bucks will you make – shooting, the, though. What do you mean? Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry. Uh, Tyler Hero's not getting it done. Duncan Robinson up, is not up, getting hold it up, done. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum made the Eastern Conference Finals in his rookie year. Yeah. Shit the bed his second year and dogged his third year. Donovan Mitchell dominated his first year. Shit the bed his second year. Everybody has a sophomore slump. Like, John, what did John Moran do last year? Last. He had a good year last year. He he had a good he he had a good year, but it's like a soft the second year of an NBA player is always like a it's always funky. It's a bigger but, out year. That doesn't take that doesn't take away though from uh Tyler Hero his ability to shoot PJ Tucker's ability to shoot uh we have Marcus Morris on the bench I can't ever pronounce his name Omid Youth Seven is like this new center guy we got from I I forgot where but he can shoot as well I mean we have shooters on the on the roster now as far as consistent shooters our superstar Jimmy Butler is not a consistent shooter that's that's a problem but we'll see that in the future. 
But the Bucks, the Bucks together, and uh, I think the roster, especially adding Rodney Hood and George Hill, George Hill shoots his best three point percentage with the Milwaukee Bucks, which is like 40 something percent, which is ridiculous. And he's a good um, three and D guy. So they basically signed a veteran Drew Holiday to come on the bench and then added Rodney Hood with extra scoring. And now they also have Dante DiVincenzo coming back with Semi Ojale. I really like this roster. I think the Bucks can repeat. You know, it's not will they, it's can they. I think they can repeat. Will they repeat? My chances are they have a, I think they have like a 35% chance to win the championship again. Completely agree. Um, one final point before I hop off. Um, you actually hit, hit, hit on it right on the head. Um, Dante DiVincenzo is such an underrated role player on that team. He brings energy. He brings defensive side. He's a slasher. He's athletic. Um, he's just one of those, he's like one of those guys where like, whenever you hear a, a sports commentator talk about a white hooper, they're just like, he's gritty. He works hard. He does everything around the ball, but like, he's legitimately one of those guys where like, he does all of that, but he actually makes it matter. Like he's not someone like, anytime I hear that from a commentator, I'm like, oh, that dude's ass. He just like tries really hard, but like Dante DiVincenzo, like legitimately tries really hard and he's actually really good. Um, and so I think that if we get back, uh, a healthy DiVincenzo, and he takes that next year jump even even more so. Scary, scary for everyone in the league for that team. Um, to, to scary that to level. consider. He he didn't participate in the playoffs, so he, he wasn't part of early. that campaign. Yeah, he got injured early, so he we didn't even get to see the Bucks at full power. Like no team was fully in. A, of course, Dante Divincenzo isn't a Kyrie Irving, but players have roles and they have impacts on the team. And Dante DiVincenzo has a positive defensive impact and a positive offensive impact. So it's like losing him was uh, kind of a big bullet, but it's going to be interesting to see the new additions plus Dante DiVincenzo coming back. I think the Bucks have a good chance. I think the NBA as a whole, everybody's pretty much rejuvenated, looking for redemption. You know, everybody's trying to prove something out here this season. I'm excited. Um, I can't wait to see. Hopefully, I predicted, I know, I don't know if you saw last episode, I predicted that the, our, your Lakers, you know, your uh, Jason fan Lakers, and my Heat will meet in the finals again after uh, 2020, and you guys will take the globe again. But yeah, that's my prediction. Uh, excited for this next season. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. We do appreciate it. And Absolutely. yeah, everybody, uh, as always, remember, just hoops. <laughs>